This season of Radio Play Collab received funding from a Spokane Arts Grant Award. For more information on Saga, visit spokanearts.org. Support for Radio Play Collab also comes from Spokane Media Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative offering lending and banking services to professionals in film, marketing, performing arts, and more. Information online at smfcu.org. This is Radio Play Collab, a creative partnership between Spokane Public Radio, Purple Crayon Pictures, and Spokane Playwrights Laboratory. On this Halloween-themed episode, we present the one-act play, The Murder. It was directed by Juan A. Moss and stars Deborah Marlowe, Aubrey Shimek Davis, and Jazz Vega as a trio of crows who witness something suspicious on Halloween night. I'm E.J. Ionelli, your host for this episode. And be sure to stay tuned after the play for an interview with the playwright, Matthew Weaver. And now, The Murder. No eagle, then. But that was the eagle fight call. I knew you wouldn't come for any other call. And look. A cold wind blows from the north. They amble in groups. Their young are adorned in odd shapes and colors. And they gather... Food! Sugar! Fat! Crinkling paper! I told you, didn't I? When the moon reaches this point in the sky, that's when it happens. Didn't I? That's when it happened the first time, and the second, and now. Just look at them all. There are so many. Such a strange ceremony. And yet so compelling. Watch the little ones. They're surest to stumble and drop. Watch the longest. They're surest to leave their bags unattended. And then. And then. And then. We we strike. strike. I want a whole bag this year. Oh, hang on. It tries to steal babies. Get out of here. Shoot. Go away. And another thing. You try to wear a different shirt, but we still know it's you. We will always know. Show you to try to steal our babies. And we shall never forget. Never. The crow thief flees back inside. Wise. Justice prevails. There. I see it. Call! Red brick house left out the best bread again. I'll leave them a few of those green rectangles with the faces on them in thanks. They get really excited when you do that. The bread is so good. Sometimes it is still warm. Oh. She snatched it right out of the youngling's hand. 
there's an art to it. Is it? Is it? Yes. Yes. Oh. Mm. It's chocolate and peanut butter. Mm. It's chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, it's so soft. I mean, you don't even have to soak it in a puddle. Oh. And look at the wrapper when you tear it. Shiny. Shiny. Okay, the bright orange squares are the prize, but there's so much to see, to eat, to steal. The bigger ones watch the little ones so closely. As closely as we watch our young. Um, do you see the, the woman from before who lives at Too Many Garden Gnomes? No. The house sits dark. Gnomes all gone. Shattered. She would always be outside making them sparkle. They were scary, but they were fun. I miss them. He would yell at her. Long legs. He loped. I have not seen him since, and I have looked. He is a bad one, like the one who killed the cats. Not that I care for cats, but still. But still. But still. Or the one who puts out the death apples. Seven crows gone. Some of them useful, but some of them... We need more chocolate. Agreed. Shiny paper. My turn. Gah! That one in bright colors with the long smile, white face, and red nose? Oh, unsettling. Pure and utter horror. A warning, you think? Can't hurt. Let him know who runs the neighborhood. <laughs> caw! 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 <sighs> What'd you get? Is it chocolate? It was chocolate, but alas, no more. Oh, what a shame. All gone. I got there too late. Still, look at how... Uh, shiny. shiny. Let me have a piece. Yes, yes, give, give. Here. Now just imagine if it still had chocolate in it. <laughs> what? So shiny. Shiny is my favorite. <laughs> you know, she always had a bag, especially for us. Too many garden gnomes, full of string and shiny things, sometimes still with chocolate in them. Last year, remember? During this strange, bizarre, wonderful custom, she wore a glittery box. And made all sorts of strange noises. Boop, beep, beep, boop. And she would talk to us, repeat our words back, and some of it she got damn close. She twirled and danced and beeped and booped and gave us string and shiny paper. Then he would appear from inside the house. The way he would yell at her. Longlegs, the loper. I never liked him. Didn't trust the food he put out. Was angry about putting it out. But her, oh, best bread. All knotted and doughy. Would pull it apart, and there would be a surprise inside. String, a jelly bean, a twisty tie. Shiny, Shiny paper. paper. It would crinkle oh so pleasantly. She made it special for us. If she were here now, I would give her all the green rectangles with the faces on them I could find. Uh, maybe, maybe she just left. She would never just leave. Not without saying goodbye. Do you see this? 
chocolate. chocolate! Large chocolate rectangles. Everyone seems to be at Puts Mangoes in Birdseed's house. Next time we find a pretty string, we'll leave it there. Noted. What about a green rectangle with the faces on it? It's mangoes and chocolate. It's not bread. You know, her backyard is so empty now. He threw them all to the ground and watched them shatter right in front of her. He took pleasure in the shattering. How upset it made her. They looked for him for a while. Who? So many. The ones with the pretty red and blue lights would come and sit and watch. Different cars, but it was them. Then everyone stopped coming. I miss her. She loved this. Boop. Beep, beep. Boop. Oh, spilled bag. Call! What'd you get? Oh, they're little, um, triangles? Yellow, orange, and white. <laughs> well? Eh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Are they hard? Oh. Yes, but no. They're neither hard nor soft. I mean, it's not chocolate peanut butter. Oh. Oh. I see why the youngling dropped them. Oh. Is that one supposed to be a, a scarecrow? What kind of a parent lets their fledgling go out dressed like that? Oh. It's like they didn't teach even them try. anything. No. My turn. Hey, if it's more of the little triangles, just leave them there. Hey, still, though, the whole thing really is kind of magic. Look at these worms. Brightly colored worms with some sort of dust on them. Whoa. Now we're talking. Bah. Bah. Poison? I think so. Oh, my brain. Oh, but it's a good kind of poison. Try. <sighs> oh, let me, let me. It pulls on your beak. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Those are good. Oh, more younglings need to drop those. Mm. That tall, gawky-looking one. Didn't he and a flock of others break all the gourds last year and make the smaller ones cry when they saw it? Yes, he did. I'm gonna... Direct hit! <laughs> Perfect aim. Oh, right on his head. It's an art. Justice prevails. She should be here. Yes. Yes. She should. More young ones observing the large chocolate rectangles. Come on, come on, drop them. Would you drop one if you had it? Fair point. Another tall one. I do not like the looks of him. Bones for a face. Hmm. Not interested in chocolate. Moving fast through the groups. Towards where the gnomes used to be. Is he loping? Uh, not his car. He has bones for a face. No one has a real face tonight. He has a key. It's him! It is him! It's him! Look, 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 look! It's him! It's him! Don't let up! Who? 
Away. In all the excitement. All the big ones pull the little ones away. Leaving their bags unattended. Chocolate and peanut butter. Caw, caw. Eat hearty, brothers and sisters. She would have liked watching this. Oh, she would have left a big fat bag out for us. Full of chocolate and peanut butter and Poison worms. (laughs) She loved us. And we loved her. Justice prevail. Oh, something shiny. Wait, where? I see it. I saw it first. It's mine. Caw! 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 No, no, mine, mine. Caw! Caw! No, me. Caw! Caw! You've been listening to the one-act play, The Murder, on this episode of Radio Play Collab. The Murder featured Deborah Marlowe, Aubrey Shimek Davis, and Jazz Vega as Crows 1, 2, and 3. It was directed by Juan A. Moss, and the sound designer was Grant Hinders, with a little voice help from Chad Hinders. The Murder was written by the local playwright Matthew Weaver and it has the distinction of being the first play that was written exclusively for Radio Play Collab. Previously, other plays have been staged to radio adaptations, and Matthew himself has largely focused on stage plays in his prior work. Shortly after we recorded the murder, I talked to Matthew about the experience of writing an audio play from scratch and what constraints and creative opportunities he encountered. Yeah, Juan approached me, and he gave me certain parameters. He just said it had to be three performers uh, and then up to 20 minutes and halloween And so, <laughs> And I was like, okay, I, I can play with that. And this was back in February, and I had a um, very minor, minor, minor surgery coming up, and so this was like the perfect distraction to keep me from like, oh, my gosh, this is coming up. I was like, okay, good. So um, – I, I never attempted a radio play before. I, I have a friend who's a playwright named Ruben Carbajal, and I made the mistake of reading one of his plays. And the play is called You Can Thank Me Later. And it's a guy in a chair up in the air 
held aloft by balloons. And once you've read a play like that, you're like, oh, I can't even attempt a radio. So I wasn't going to touch it unless the opportunity arose. Juan reached out and was like, okay, I, now it has to be as good as that, in at least in my own personal viewpoint. And so as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, three performers. And I wanted something that felt like a classic Halloween play, had all the, the, the feelings about Halloween and kind of captured that a general mood. And I Googled how many crows are in a murder of crows. And I was like, oh, and it said it had to be at least three. And I was like, okay, I'm off to the races now. So I had this idea and was just so excited I was done before my surgery. It was like all written and I was I was over the moon thrilled. And this is something that takes advantage of the medium because the previous plays that we've had have been stage plays. So right. they featured humans and they've been adapted for radio. And so with something like this, did you find that the crows just came naturally as a concept or was it, you know, this is radio so I can explore these non-human characters a little bit more? A little of both. I've always enjoyed crows and just like crow trivia that they're distracted by shiny objects uh, so am i um uh and then they, they like like um but the fact that they will remember a person who has wronged them and the fact that they're so smart they'll like d- dunk their peanuts in puddles to soften them or they'll put stuff on the ground and wait for a car to drive over and then go down and like see what they've cracked and stuff the fact that they use tools so i was like oh this is just it, it, it just seemed to lend itself to it. So everything in the play, I kind of reread some crow literature too, just to make <laughs> sure, other than the fact that they're talking, there wasn't anything that crow reasonably wouldn't do or, or be able to do. So, And, you know, obviously the crows witness something untoward. Right. And again, was the genesis or was the crux of this narrative already something that you had in mind? Or was it something that you started with crows and then the action kind of revealed itself? Uh, it started with crows and also the fact that like the murder could imply multiple, has multiple layers to it. And so it was like, what am I going, what are they going to witness? What will they have witnessed? And at first I even was looking at like having them witness an actual crime in process, which felt a little, a little too much. And I thought it lent itself more that they would have, they'd be wondering what had happened to this particular neighbor. They'd still be checking. And then we got to see like some of the hidden neighborhood grudges or long running (laughs) neighborhood grudges throughout. And you said that this was your first radio play. Right. So let's talk about your previous work sure. uh, and talk about some of your previous full lengths and maybe your shorter pieces sure. and how this fits into that. Well, I, my goal for the last 10 or 15 years or so has been to slowly get a little more on the radar. That, I think, is an approachable goal. I've been produced in 27 states. I have full-length plays. I have one-minute plays. I have plays ranging from zero characters to a million characters. Both of those are one-minute plays. Um, I, I work as a writer by day, and then when I'm done with that, I will try to put about a half hour into personal writing. If, it, if it's going well, I'll go further, but just about a half hour a day of somehow personal fulfillment after after the day job, which is also personally fulfilling, but... But in a, in a different way, this I get to be a little more creative and artistic and, and play. 
And when you say you work as a writer during the day, is that as a copywriter? Is that? Oh, I work for an agriculture newspaper called Capital Press. It's a newspaper for farmers and ranchers. I've been with them for about 15 years. Uh, and an accomplishment I'm personally proud of is recently we got um, baby alligators on the front page of the um, newspaper. <laughs> I got to do a story about the U.S. alligator industry and got in touch with a, a couple alligator farmers and we were able to touch base on the fact that they had recently successfully um, battled a lawsuit in California that would have banned alligator and crocodile products. But we also talked about the the way that the entire industry works to preserve the species. Um, the farmers purchase the eggs from the landowners and then raise them, incubate them, return 5% of the alligator population to the landowners, which preserves the species. And then it talks about how the industry worked in step along the way. So the landowner, the farmer, the tanner, the people who are using the alligator hides for luxury items and, and for meat and things like that. So it was a fascinating, fascinating, really interesting story. And then we wound up with baby alligators on the front page. And I'm like, <laughs> that's probably the only time that's going to happen. So Does this mean we're in store for a, an alligator-themed play in the future? Uh, you never know. Information and nice little tidbits are always good like that. And is this where your interest in crows stems from, given that you have this day job in this agricultural field? Did that also kind of spark your interest in crows? Um, I think more like our summers were spent at the library, books, and I have a brother who studied to be an entomologist. And so insect facts, animal facts, things like that, that's just what we grew up with. And then that kind of that lifelong love of learning. So crow tidbits, alligator tidbits. I have a story coming up uh, first of the year. 2024 will be the United Nations International Year of Camel Lids. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I got to go down north of Walla Walla and spend some time with a, a camel that will be on. I've already asked for the first front page story for 2024 for the Capital Press. So. Oh, so alligators, camels, and then <laughs> so, someday well. we'll have, yeah, we'll have crows on the front page yeah, as well. Well, if you give me an agricultural bent and I'll see what <laughs> I can do. <laughs> and with this play, The Murder, are you pleased with how it turned out? Oh, my gosh. So pleased. Um, it was, I, I have to say, it was life-affirming just getting to sit here and listen to the th three performers, Aubrey, Jazz, and Deborah, just saying words that I wrote. I'm still, I still geek out when that happens. I'm like, you're saying, you're, you're real performers and you're saying words that I wrote like they're real <laughs> words. And part of the fun of this process was, um, I'll, I'll let the readers know, or, or listeners know, I'm, I'm used to readers, uh, um, that Juan had asked them to run through the whole play one time, and then he said, okay, now we're going to do it again, but we're just going to do the first three pages, and then the performers were having such a good time, they proceeded to do the entire play again, and Juan was having such a good time listening, as were we all, that we all just sat back, and I got to watch Juan slowly check off everything that he had marked down that he wanted to fix from the first reading. But, oh, it was just life-affirming because writing is so solitary in in a way, in and of itself. You're writing, you're, you're like, okay, I hope this goes somewhere. So to get to sit and watch that whole process come to life and watch them all clawing away, it was, it was just, yeah, it's like 
this is why I do it. This is this is what I want to do. I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now. And writing is a solitary pursuit, but you know some of that stems from the rich imaginative world right. that you have. Now that imagination, when it plays out in real life, isn't you know sometimes there's a mismatch. And so when you heard these actors giving voice to your crows, were you thinking that's exactly what I had in mind, or were you thinking, oh my word, they've added something new to oh, it? Better. That's when when it's really cooking when everybody comes to together brings themselves and makes it better than the whole of the sum of the parts and it's stuff that I couldn't have contributed myself it's everybody was there I mean you contributed too because you and this none of us had thought about you were like oh at the start can she caw a little bit differently because we said this is an eagle con none of us had thought about we like, oh my gosh and so <laughs> so thank you for that contribution but just that it was yeah it was like I say, life affirming. And it's like, yep, I'm right where I'm supposed to be today. <laughs> and what surprised you about the, the recording process? Because obviously you've seen stage plays right. and your own work being adapted to the stage or perform, brought to the stage. So obviously, you know, this is a different process. Right. But what surprised you about that? Well, the candy was, was the thing because it's like, okay, and for me as the writer, I'm like, okay, I don't want to reveal too much. And we had the conversation about, well, we need to reveal a little bit more because we don't know what we're talking about. And so you don't know how much, how much are you giving, how much are, and you don't want to distract, obviously, the listener who's like, okay, what, what is an orange square? What could that possibly be? I mean, they're <laughs> going to hopefully be doing that anyway, but they'll be, oh, that's such and such. So, so we had conversation and like money, it was like, how do we show what, money is how do we refer to it because it was first it was just green rectangles and the the performers they said what if we said the green rectangles with the faces on them and like okay good and then we just just how much to give how much to keep and so like i guess my tendency is to be like the audience will figure it out and then it's like well let's let's give them just a little bit more of a clue so they're not sweating yeah and you know that's something that comes up whether this is an original play right. or whether it's something that we're adapting is that you have to think differently mm -hmm. because you have this medium that is purely auditory so what are some things that maybe you didn't consider initially or that you did consider that played out differently because it was audio only not a lot i think because one it's crows so it was like okay i, I guess i was like okay let's play let's see how we do but even we had a conversation, like I mentioned at one point, oh, I think the crows are now down on the ground at the end because they're eating candy. And Juan, Juan was like, oh, we, I need, I thank you for telling me that because before we picture, I had in descriptions just so you guys know, this is where I'm picture, I picture them on top of like a, a street lamp at the beginning and they're watching all this activity and then we hear and then like down. At, so just little stuff. That, but that that's the same with, I think any writing, the playwright has a picture in their head, the director reads it, gets their own picture in their head, and then occasionally you'll get a call from somebody who says, hey, we're having trouble with this line. And it was like, oh, you say it like this. And they're like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I, th I, think, I think that's probably universal in everybody's trying to like feel around in the dark and interpret what they're seeing. You know, and now that you've done this, is radio a medium that you want to explore? And you know, what are the unique aspects of it? I mean, is it a nice challenge to be audio only because it gets you to think in a different way? It's a really cool challenge. But once again, Ruben's play and now this play, it's like, OK, I, ha I have very high standards. If I'm going to attempt it, I'm going to want it to, for myself, be at least on that level. 
And you as playwright have some idea of what you want the audience to walk away with right. and, you know, how you want them to receive this play. So in your ideal world, what is the the listener of this play? What are they walking away with? I guess, like I said, I wanted that feel of, of a, like a classic Halloween tale where you got that feeling. You're picturing like the, the, the dark, cold nights. You're starting to picture a moonlit night. It's getting colder. Just that hopefully this is something that people might want to revisit every year. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was playwright Matthew Weaver talking about his original radio play, The Murder. This has been Radio Play Collab, a creative partnership between Spokane Public Radio, Purple Crayon Pictures, and Spokane Playwrights Laboratory. The Radio Play Collab theme song was written by Tanya Ballman. If you want to listen to this play again, or you want to catch past and future episodes of Radio Play Collab, visit our website at spokanepublicradio.org and look for the Radio Play Collab program tab. Or use your favorite podcast client to subscribe to the Radio Play Collab podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms like Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts. On behalf of Spokane Public Radio, I've been your host and producer, E.J. Ionelli. This season of Radio Play Collab received funding from a Spokane Arts Grant Award. For more information on Saga, visit spokanearts.org. Support for Radio Play Collab also comes from the Spokane Media Federal Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative offering lending and banking services to professionals in film, marketing, performing arts, and more. Information online at smfcu.org.